Listeners, welcome back to Under the Arch. This is still a podcast where we explore the issues facing our communities and the people fighting to transform them. I'm Blake Strode, Executive Director of Arch City Defenders. And I'm Kayla Reed, Executive Director of Action St. Louis. And we are cruising through season three. We're here with another episode. And this episode is really exciting because we're going to talk about an issue we wanted to talk about on this podcast for many years. Yes. Yeah, we really have. It's like it has been lingering on the list of potential episodes, probably since season one. And so much has happened in this space. And we wanted to make sure that um, we had a guest that could help us hold some of the nuance and um, and and really meet the uh, meet the subject at the right moment as well. And that topic is drumroll. Education. education, education, and schools. Education. In St. Louis. Lean on me. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to talk about education because it's a, it's an important conversation, especially in the context of what is happening across our nation right now. Of in in the context of ed- the education system, we mm-hmm. have long seen um, the history of racial justice, the history of the struggle for equality has always had to stand up fights inside of the education system um, from desegregation to, um, you know, the, the equity in resources to our schools to the, the very recent and, and, you know, widespread fight around quote critical race theory, but mm-hmm. the content of the curriculum that our young people are learning. And we've seen in recent years, teachers on strikes and students on strike, um, navigating the world of a pandemic um, and a, the political world of, of right, of, um, you know, conservative extremism that's taking hold and shaping conversations. And so it's very relevant um, so it's very relevant. relevant. And in St. Yeah. Louis, we have a very fragmented and fractured education system with, I don't know how many yes. school districts are actually in St. Louis region, but there are a lot. <laughs> um, there are a lot. There are yeah. a lot. I graduated, which is a common question. You know, education is, is another thing this makes me think about is what's the number one question you ask someone when you meet them from St. Louis, Blake? Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to high school? And what that Where'd you go to high school, Kayla? I graduated in 2008 from the illustrious Riverview Gardens High School. Wow. Wow. Look at you. you, Suburban North. Suburban North. I graduated from the one and only Pattonville High School, 2005, home of the Pirates. Yeah. I I went to, during my tenure as as a young student, K through 12, I went to St. Louis Public School. Shout out to Lowell Elementary. I went to Normandy Public Schools. Uh, I went to Bell Nor and Bell Ridge Elementary Schools and then landed in uh, Riverview in fifth grade where I stayed until I graduated. So wow. I, and which is interesting because those three are usually the lowest ranked districts in the state for mm. many reasons. And so um, I, I do understand how important and relevant this conversation is and how it does shape the trajectory yeah. of your life. Yeah, I just want to say one other thing before bringing in our guests, which is I was before this episode, I think you said um, maybe in our conversation with Walter Johnson that 
Um, when we think about the, the kind of central political fights and the, the um, landscape of that political battlefield right now, it's three things that stand out. It's policing and criminal legal system. It's the ballot box and voting. And then it's the schools. The it's schools education. are one of these central fights of, of political battles around race and class and what, what kinds of conversations we're exactly. allowed to have and what we're exactly. not. So, so that's, why this, this, that's why this episode has been longstanding. As you can hear yes. from Blake and I's rumblings and thinking, yes. we think about as, as two organizational leaders who our organizations do not work on education. We do not right. for our listeners. And so maybe people who don't know, we actually right. do not work on um, <laughs> education as a as an issue inside of action st louis and arch city defenders but we understand that often the people we are organizing um the folks we're interacting with you know whether it be tenants whether it be folks who have been impacted by the carceral system whether it be folks who are voting on issues that education is a is a driving force in their lives where their children go to school where what schools they went to it really shapes your experience um, of this yeah. country in a in a very in a very specific way. So I'm excited yeah. to have this episode. We should introduce our guest. Let's bring in our guest. Our, in guest. our guest today is none other than one of the newest members of the Board of Education in the city of St. Louis. Her name is Alicia Sanier. Sanier, is that how you say it with the French pronunciation? Okay. Alicia Sanier. And let me give you a little bit of Alicia's uh, background. Alicia is a leader, activist, organizer, and now, as I said, elected member of the St. Louis City of St. Louis Board of Education. She was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. So many things that we could say about her. Um, part of her bio is that a, a major catalyst, and this is a a theme on this show that a major catalyst for Alicia's community involvement was the murder of Michael Brown in 2014 during the first year of undergrad at UMSLA, University of Missouri, St. Louis. Oh, were you at UMSLA or SLU? I, oh, I got oh. UMSLA in the bio. Oh, oh both. Oh. Look at that. St. Louis, true and true. Yes. St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got all the colleges. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and at the age of, make it through. However, we got to make it through. That's right. We make it that's through. right. Um, Welcome. At 18, I just want to throw in, because I think this is cool, that at age 18, she co-founded the organization Tribe X with a mission to educate, organize, and empower. At 18, what were y'all doing at 18? And there's so many other things we could talk about that we'll probably get to, but welcome to the show, Alicia. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, um, so happy so, to have you. Yeah, so one, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for coming to speak to us. As we mentioned, sort of in our long intro this is something we've wanted to talk about for a while. Um, and we're going to get to all of the questions we have about like, you know, these conversations um, about SLPS and the education system in this country writ large. But first, we do want to just let our listeners get to know you. Um, so can you speak to your history in this work? You know, how did you before you were a member of the um, Board of Education? What is your journey? Um, to to being one of the folks who's fighting to transform St. Louis? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, St. Louis, as you all talked about, we are such an interesting city. And so uh, over my course of high school, in four years, I went to three different high schools, which I know now as a board education member, we have kids that in a year sometimes go to six different schools. Uh, So that's not an uncommon experience. Um, But I think as I was like, 
navigating and then becoming a teenager um, and seeing people move through the world differently. I went to Cardinal Ritter and we took a class at Cardinal Ritter that was uh, called leadership, but basically African-American studies. And it was like one of the first times that I ever had anyone really the goal of that class is you think about like what how does your identity impact the ways that you navigate your society so how does being black or being a woman and those were like new to have it highlighted and worded in that way was was new um and then also i was at a private catholic school and so it's interesting because i was at a private school but i had been in public school all before that and all of my friends were still in public school and i started noticing that we were having very different experiences and my first year there, I had three friends that got murdered and, and died through the through gun violence. Um, and just saw, just could start seeing a splinter off and then uh, continued through high school and then like, uh, and, and end up starting an organization there and being a part of an organization that was for like teenagers to kind of, we did stuff like push back against like malls that were, you know, kicking black teenagers out, but white teenagers could stay, even though it's supposed to be a teenage mm-hmm. curfew. Um, we talked about the need for like there to be options for us to do, not just kicking us out, but like give us another community resource or option to do. And then I also got to see like the options that I had at my private school as far as activities versus some of what my peers did not have. Um, but then I graduated high school, went to St. Louis University, uh, which Kayla mentioned, and uh, Michael Brown happened August 9th. I moved on to campus August 20th, and classes started August 25th. So by the time my mm. first year started, I was uh, in the streets of Ferguson every night and could not go back. And so just really never had like a traditional college experience. By my birthday of October 12th, for my 19th birthday, I was helping to lead thousands of people onto our campus, and we ended up occupying it for six days. And that's how I met the president of my university. And then we ended up getting the clock tower records, and then you shut down miles, you shut down galleries. But I always felt like this really interesting experience of being attached to sometimes these privileged, over-resourced institutions, but coming from a background and a demographic that is very underprivileged and seeing like, okay, this school is in the city of St. Louis that has a 50% Black population, but we make up less than 10% of the kids that attend this university like something's going on here or seeing institutions pick conveniently to be involved in fights for justice like okay well we'll give you the shape it's arena for a night and then we'll pick like NAACP and people who I ain't never seen out there in Ferguson but then we're going to send emails to the student body and say well don't worry we're going to keep you safe well can you keep me safe if my identity and the way that the police interact with my community is a threat um, and so just continued throughout college to be involved as an activist and an organizer, whether it was protests, whether it's working for Fight for 15, whether it's women's rights, just whatever I felt like would, a liberation, honestly, I just, you know, was like, okay, whatever liberation looks like, I'm gonna figure that out. Um, and then uh, Tribex got co-founded and also helped uh, join leadership of an organization called the Black Liberation Collective, which is a national organization that was a training ground for student activists across the country because Concerned Student 1950 happened at Mizzou. And my good sister friend Storm was a part of that, who Kayla actually introduced us. <laughs> I don't know if she remembers, but she introduced us at the Black Lives Matter convening. And me and her were just talking it up about like, there's this other segment of the movement that's student led, but that is not could use a lot more support and a lot more attention. Like in St. Louis, we had a movement happening around us that we were able to bring to our campus. Um, But what about students at Howard and and other universities that are trying to do this work and want to expand it? And knowing that universities hold a lot of power, how do you do that? 
So got really, really involved. You know, I was working 20 hours a week. I was taking the classes. I was STEM major, doing stuff on and off campus. Um, and then, you know, I actually ended up transferring my, after my junior year, I transferred to UMSO because I had a week where I didn't leave my dorm room. And I thought like, oh, I'm just lazy. You know, I'm ungrateful. I'm here on scholarship. Like I, I was a, a, a medical scholar at that time. Like, why am I not motivated to leave my room? And then I had a friend go bring someone to my uh, room. Her name is Dr. Banks and she was a psychology professor. And I remember her asking me like, you know, have you ever heard of depression? And I'm like, no, and maybe, but what they got to do with me, like didn't even think that, you know, someone like me, who's a black woman that doesn't belong here is supposed to be grateful for this opportunity. And you got the, you got the audacity to be pushing your institution and you, then you're going to stay in your dorm room and skip classes for a week. Like you ain't supposed to do that. Um, and then, uh, but that represented a change for me. So I started going to therapy and then learned about depression and burnout and, and mental health and interpersonal skills and learned about being a people pleaser and learning about not, not how to say no and learning, like started reshaping the need to care for myself. And my therapist literally was like, you know, Alicia, I think that you, uh, you don't know how to say no, you're a people pleaser, you're president of the university, you're board tasks, these people in your community, they know you as these things and you don't have the skill set to say no and draw boundaries. Transferring could be a good thing for you. And that was so weird wow. because I was in such leadership and I had, I felt such a responsibility to my city. And also, you know, I would get students plugged into the movement in our city and nationally. I mean, by the time I was at that point, I had done my freshman year. I was in my first semester and I was doing panels with people who were had PhDs and was traveling to go speak about this and, and do organization trainings and teach other things. So to have a therapist tell me you need to step away from all of that and go back to the basics mm -hmm. was wild. Um, but I did because I felt like the things that brought me joy felt like a chore and I mm -hmm. felt very low capacity um, and it felt yeah. like work. Can, let me, I, I think what you, yeah, I think what you are saying makes me think about two things. One, this like this student movement piece, right? Like as, as someone who was in the, in the, the night of Occupy SLU, as I, I went to St. Louis University straight out of high school. And what I knew about SLU was, um, you know, one, my dad's father worked there. And then two, it was a Jesuit university, which has an orientation to social justice issues. Um, and was allowing us to use, you know, Shafe and Serena doing Ferguson October, this moment where we have, you know, the 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 folks are up there, like the Sanctuary Mama Civil Rights Movement, et cetera. Um, and what what it meant to sort of be like, um, you know, when we get there and you are up there and you're like, we are these, we're we are students at SLU, these are our 5,000 guests. And we walk onto that campus and and the power of what it means to be a student and the power of how you understand your multiple identities, right? That you are a St. Louis native. So this bubble that these universities create, uh, that didn't exist for you, right? It didn't exist for me when I was at SLU. I used to be so um, flabbergasted that they would take kids to Brentwood to grocery shop. And I was no. like, wait, why Why would you do that? And there was like all these, <laughs> my friends, they never heard of Save a Lot or all these or any of these places. And so then, you know, and the first students to sort of go beyond the bubble are typical Black students who are interfacing with Black students who are from the city. And so, yeah, I, I think that like the student movement part is really, really great. Shout out to, shout out to Storm. But then I, I want to ask a question about this moment that you're sort of getting us to in your own story where you have hit burnout, 
right? Like burnout has happened. This very traumatic experience is happening and you're not experiencing that just as a uh, an, an sort of an ordinary person. You're experiencing that as a freshman in college. So all of your worlds are pivoting at the we're same junior time. Now. I'm saying into, I'm, yeah, well, by the time you're a junior, but all of your worlds are shifting on their axis, right? Movement is happening. Mm-hmm. We're a couple years outside of 2014. You've been on college campus. That's, that's shifting. Um, and, and I think a lot of listeners ask these questions, like how do you manage burnout and this piece around how important therapy is and how important it is to balance your like self-care and not just like self-care in the go get a pedicure way, but like deep self-care with community care and that they have to be hand, they have to be hand in hand. And shout out to Dr. Banks, who was my first post-Ferguson therapist too. <laughs> who took on, for a year took on all the protests and was like, so listen, <laughs> you have PTSD. I was like, what did I survive? She was like, a revolution. I was like, right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, you so you get to UMSO. How does how does this transition? I, I'm also hearing this thread of how education has been a really important shape, like shaper of your analysis. How are you like, what is the moment where you're like, okay. I want to make, I've been in the streets, I've, I've led organizations, I've shaped policy on campus. Now there's this moment of, I've decided to run for school board. Can you take us through that, that moment? Yeah. So, uh, I had like, uh, during a year over the course of like maybe 14, 15 months, I resigned from every single organization I was a part of in every leadership role, except for the black liberation collective and i started going to therapy which led to me working out and eating and so and eating right like when i went to umso we made a deal we're gonna drop everything which i was really scared to do but when i started feeling what it felt like to be honestly just alive and normal again like it was worth it and so i ended up i lost like over 100 pounds i was going to therapy regularly because i was you know you know kayla like when you're in a movement you don't realize how many things you are managing at once like you have your movement relationships you've got your job you've got your leadership roles on campus your leadership roles off campus oh my god then still protests and movements other people want to talk to you i mean it can like build up really fast so when i got to umso i felt like all i had to do is be a student like you know people do this like you know people don't even know you to ask certain things like so it was such a different experience and then I was able to honestly shout out to Maxine Waters reclaiming my time (laughs) (laughs) what happened like I reclaimed my time I reclaimed my body and I got to think rather than just uh Denzel Washington has a quote and he's like, you know, don't mistake movement for progress. And I think I had hit a point where I had a lot of movement, but don't know. I wasn't progressing because my foundation of self was not good. Come on. So I had a chance to do that self-work and think about who is Alicia outside of any relationship, outside of any organization, outside of any productivity. Who am I? What really matters to me? What have I learned from all this work and all the people I've met and great transformational systematic work that changed my life and I wouldn't replace it. But what does that mean? And honestly, I came out like, well, I want to call system change. So anything that 
some people do individual work. I know I'm interested in systems change because the systems is a problem. Don't come tell me how my people is a problem. And then I knew that mental health was extremely important to me. Um, at that point, I had changed my major, major to psychology. I got the awesome opportunity to do some research with Dr. Banks. Uh, so she wasn't my therapist, but she was like, oh, you like psychology? Come on, girl. And so we did that. And then I just learned like, OK, what I learned from the movement, like, I feel like the biggest thing I saw is like nobody from the outside needed to do anything because we tore each other down. And I think a lot of it has to do with mental health, our ability to communicate with each other, our interpersonal relationships. Like I feel like in those ways, we were our own barriers. And so how cool would it be to like have a livelihood where I literally re help people reshape how they think and heal their relationships? Like that would be cool. Um, graduated with a degree in psych bachelor's of science in psychology got my first big girl job as a mental health advocate where you know I you know you get your first little PTO you're like I didn't made it I'm getting me a cool little salary <laughs> I can take sick days now and I still get paid <laughs> yeah, that, that's that shift that shift from the hourly work of the salary when you grew up without is, is interesting mm -hmm. that's it that's a different work and do something that brings you joy because yes. i think mm -hmm. we met a lot of people in a movement people would think we were crazy but we were doing a lot of that work unpaid because we loved it and then you know capitalism a lot of our people they just have to survive every day they don't get to think about what they want to do so to land a job where my job is to help people understand their diagnoses and get connected to resources and really help them navigate and understand this complex system that's not built yeah. for them loved it but then eventually it was like okay this is very calm this is okay i'm recharged <laughs> you know i'm feeling good again mm. i'm feeling cute but i kind of miss it's that crazy i kind of miss the smoke and heat over there like, <laughs> like, it's too normal like okay i've had my time mm, she said um, i need some drama Period. I needed, I needed <laughs> like, all right, you know, because I had a job, I was making money, I was doing normal things like going to brunch with my friends and hanging out. And it was the first time I ever had in my life where I really felt like I was just normal every day. And that was great. And I think I needed that time. But when the people in liberation live in your heart, you cannot leave that mission for long without feeling a sense of like, for me, it feels like I'm not fully where I'm supposed to be at this moment. Like, okay, I've had my time to recharge, but I know that's where I belong. So what does that look work look like? Yeah. Then we're at a time where Corey, uh, you know, Corey Bush was running. So started just kind of helping out with her campaign, started helping out with Ferguson folks that were taking that transition and felt like I literally the day of Corey Bush's party, I had pictures of me there. Um, and I was able to take my friend and my friend was like, you know her. And she was so starstruck. But to us, it's just Corey. I'm like, dang, yeah, she's and it was her first day. Like, she's about to be Corey Bush now. But I just was at Panera with her three days ago. All right. She, yeah. You know? I think that was so transformative for so many people seeing someone that, you know, folks had real relationship with mm -hmm. moving into that kind of mm -hmm. position. Let me just it's it's I really appreciate that narrative and really appreciate um the introspection and the way in which the, the, the introspective analysis is also paired with this external facing structural systems analysis. And I would imagine that that background um, that, that you just sort of laid out in activism and organizing, we're going to sort of move towards your school board role um, and, and want to hear more of what that consists of. But I would imagine that you approach the role of elected school board member very differently from a lot of people because of this, yeah. these roots in activism and in organizing. In what ways do you think your current role as a, a member of the school board is influenced by that background and that experience? 
Um, I think that, you know, when I campaigned, the thing, the way that I worded it is I said community immersion was the the, t- the platform point. And I think that mm-hmm. comes out the most because, you know, I am the advocate for St. Louis. Y'all know we work in isolation. You know, mm-hmm. we have all these groups and all these entities and all these organizations that are sometimes doing um like sometimes doing work, but not doing it together, which holds our people back. And so I think I saw that as an activist, but then as a board member, I see it even more. And even the district, I think we've worked kind of isolation. Sometimes there's been people that maybe have worked to our detriment. So we're a little fearful, but I think the difference with me is like, you know, after you run away from your government night after night, you're not like super duper scared of too much other things. And a lot of times I think too, being younger, like, okay, if this has been failing, what do we really have to lose at trying something new? You know what I'm saying? And then also, I think we say coming up at a time of, we call it, I call it movement accountable leadership. And I think that's the difference that you have between like myself and other elected officials is I feel like, you know, for me, if Michael, Michael Brown's death was my rebirth, but, but like we shouldn't have to get here Black blood shouldn't have to be the thing that has to be shed for leaders like myself to be rebirthed. But if that is the case, then I'm going to always honor that with everything that I do. And that's going to be the center of my thinking. And that's the center of my approach. It's like the black folks that should make it here, but won't, or that will never get the opportunity to. So I feel such like such a responsibility and an honor, right? Like an honor, because like I said, a lot of people don't get to you 20, like my mom at 25 couldn't run no citywide campaign. My mom at 25 had to pay her bills and survive and take care of the child that was me growing in her womb. Like she didn't get to really take shots and chances and risks like that. That wasn't even on her her trajectory. So I think that's what it looks like differently for me. It's just like who I feel a responsibility to. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I love that sense of community accountability that you're spelling out. Um, and so let's dig into actually the the nuts and bolts a little bit, you know, for folks who, I mean, count myself among them. I have a sense of what the school board does, but but give us an, an education on what it actually, um, what being a member of the school board actually entails. What is uh, what do you hold in that what's the, role? Yeah, what's the job description? Yeah. <laughs> so, so for context sake, um, the city of St. Louis, every public school that we have is one district, and that district is St. Louis Public Schools. We have about 18,000 kids. Um, we're one of the largest landowners in the city. We have a budget of $400 million. We're the third largest employer entity in the city of St. Louis, right after BJC and right before the city of St. Louis. Um, So just as a context of kind of where your reach and what your power and your influence makes. So as a board of education member, you're the governing body of the district. So any and all uh, political engagement, which is like formal representation goes through you and you really are, that body has to green light or red light anything to continue. So any major hirings and firings have to be approved by us. Um, Any, if there's a disciplinary, something that happens that, needs to be a turned or appealed, the highest level would be to bring it to us. Um, we approve the budget that we propose. We approve all partnerships. Um, we, I mean, all of the management of this large institution and entity, we don't do the management itself, but we're kind of like the approving or disapproving body. And you can, you know, you can also make proposals and put suggestions out there, but like the district has an operations in, and then we are the, the governing body and there's seven of us. And so I'm one of those seven people. Yes. Okay. 
staff, budget, curriculum gov- as a governing body, we sort of have the shape of what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time. But before we get there, we're going to take a break. Uh, you're going to listen to our music minute. Our music minute is a moment where we spotlight a local artist of music um, that's that's being created under the arts. So please take a listen and we will be back with our guest, Alicia Sanye, talking about education. Um, you are listening to Under the Arch. We'll be right back. Hope you enjoyed that STL Music Minute. That was a song called New Tradition by You People. That's Y-O-U-P-E-O-P-L. And it's from the It's Funny How EP. You can find You People on social media and their music is available on major streaming platforms. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome Welcome back. back. We hope you enjoyed that Music Minute. Every week we have music minutes. So if you're a musician and you're listening, you want to be one of our music minutes, we'll tell you how to do that at the end of the episode. But we are here yes. today talking about the education system um, with Board of Education member Alicia Sonye. So we're, we're back. And we just talked about, you know, the, the role of a member of the Board of Education and the scope of SLPS. It's the third largest employer services 18,000 students in the city of St. Louis. And, and just for population sake, there are about 310, no, 301,000 per the last census, 301,000 right. people in the, in the city of St. Louis. And so, you know, almost 10% of that are young folks who are school age, you know, in, 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 in SLPS. So one, we want to talk about the conversation about public schools, right? So this is under the arch takes issues head on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we believe in addressing them head on. And in part, what I think we want to explain and what we like your support explaining is that in, in the city of St. Louis, there are three um, types of schools systems that exist. These types of school structures that exist. There are private schools, right? A private school is like a, um, a, the, the, arch, the Catholic schools that we have, that, that mm-hmm. entire system. Um, there are some uniquely independent uh, private schools mm-hmm. like Cardinal Ritter, where you attended, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Then there's the public. And they schools. are private, independent and privately funded is, is yep. part of what makes them private. A lot of people pay tuition for their student, their children to go there, mm-hmm. et cetera. That's what makes them private. The second category of schools is public schools. Right. And SLPS is the only public school district in the city of St. Louis. Other public school districts are Riverview, Paddenville, Normandy, Hazelwood, Rockwood, you know, the right. other schools that's further out than Suburban Pro North, because that's what <laughs> <laughs> the, the Ferguson, Florida school district, 
those are public schools. Blake, you want to want to comma the way you just did? Yeah, democratically controlled, elected board of uh, education. Well, it wasn't always elected, but we'll talk about that. But a board of education, a public body that oversees it, paid, uh, funded through tax dollars and public funding. Those are the public schools. Those are the public schools. And then in St. Louis City, we have this unique third category of educational Mm -hmm. institutions. (laughs) And those are charter schools. Mm -hmm. Blake? Charter schools are also independent. They receive public funding, but they do not have any democratically accountable body that oversees them. And so when we talk about public schools, we are not talking about charter schools. We are talking about public, traditional public education in this conversation. Yes, we wanted to do that because sometimes and and often um, there people say words that don't in our opinion, this is mm-hmm. representative of Kayla Reed, Blake Strode, <laughs> Blake Strode, <laughs> our the act of St. Louis. Some of those words don't go together. Like there's not a private charter or a public charter or private public or public private, right? Like those are distinctly different categories of schools um, that have distinctly different ways that they operate. And SLPS is one of the public school districts. It's the only one in the city of St. Louis that is governed by the board of education. So just wanted to do that. If you need a little mini teaching. So the rest of this conversation is going to solely be about public schools and SL, SLPS. So Alicia, welcome back. Well, did we do a good job? Did we do a good job? I think y'all did a good job. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to get that out there. Um, huh? What you say? That's my definition. Yeah, I mean, I I think that those. Yeah, you know, some some people like to think that when you open Webster's dictionary, it's like, well, you know. I have a different definition. Well, there is a definition. (laughs) There is a definition. And then there are opinions, right? But there's a a solidified definition. Yes. And what we know about education is that in this country, right, and in many countries, education is a social good, right? The the theory of education is that this structure, our society, will fund access to education for its citizens and residents of, of this country. And that has had a tumultuous history of who is included in that, how they're included in that, how that's funded, where that's funded, who's prioritized, who's deprioritized. And and a lot of those things live along race lines and class lines, gender lines. um, And they have shaped, they do shape a very, um, but when we think about public goods, it's ultimately what I'm saying. Education is one of the things that has remained um, a structure that that could yield positive outcomes as a as a public good and we we sort of know many things have gone private over the course of time in our country that were once public but public schools are still one of the one of the last standing public <laughs> like public goods that are accessible uh, and that that are uh, supposed to produce sort of an equal uh, outcome we know that that's not true but that's what's supposed to happen so stepping into a conversation about SLPS can you give us a little background? Um, because we know over the since since 2000, SLPS has gone through a journey around um, accreditation. Can you just for our listeners who are millennials or Gen Z and who weren't around during that time or are new um, to the St. Louis area, the the kind of arc around SLPS and accreditation? 
Yeah, so this is great because we can learn together because I've learned much of this myself since joining. So, you know, in St. Louis uh, City, there the district lost its accreditation. Um, yeah, it's a lot of who's here say hoopla about why, but, you know, the formal reason is, you know, performance data, um, how, how your kids are doing. Are you meeting the state metrics and the state requirements to keep your accreditation? So we did it. And so at that point, we had uh, the state comes in and take takes control. Um, when the state takes control, you you have a board, but they're not elected. They're an appointed board. The 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 elected. So I think the governor gets some appointees. I think the mayor gets some appointees. Like, but they're you know there's nobody directly chosen by the community. They're all like an appointed board and in, in like state officials. Um, that board took effect. And then just in the last few years, it's been less than six years that we've had an actual elected uh, school board because we regained our accreditation. Shout out to Dr. Adams. And, um, you know, he came and one of his priorities was to do that. He did it. And so when that happened, Dr. Adams, he, superintendent, Dr. Kelvin Adams, superintendent. Of yes, SOPS. I'm sorry. Dr. All, no, it's all good. Um, and so and Dr. Kevin Adams has been in a district for 20 years. He's been wow. around for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's seen a lot of the changes and a lot of the transitions. He was there before there was an elected board and is there now with us with an elected board. And so for more context, for people who don't know, on the board of education, technically you have like three employees. But primarily your major employee is your superintendent. Your superintendent really oversees all the operations and goings of the district. And the board's job is to, with him, set goals, set criteria, set priorities, and hold that position accountable and replace it if need be, uh, but evaluate it, evaluate it as it happens. And so that's another, I guess you could say, power of the board is you you control that head piece of, of the district. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, we switched within the last six years to an elected board where people get to get to go when you go vote for your mayor, you go vote for your board of aldermen, you get to go and vote for school board members. You'll never see all seven of us on the ballot at the same time. We alternate, I think it's two and three each time that are kind of up. We got an election coming up in November where there's two seats up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of some of yeah. the yeah. That's that's super helpful. Thank and thank you for giving us that sort of like edge education right because this is we we hope that folks learn something every time they listen um so so the elected board so SOPS regains accreditation and full accreditation in 2017 which triggers the disillusion of this sort of state board that's well not you know that moves the relationship back to a local governing structure and folks have been um, elected to the school board in cycles over time um, and, and just for context, SLPS is 18,000 kids. That ranges from pre-K all the way through 12th grade, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. And that is, so that we have many elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. And we right? pay for our own pre-K, by the way. That's a community service because we get paid for K through 12, but anything we operate under that is our, our choice and our responsibility. Oh, interesting. That's interesting. That's good to know. Thank you for yeah. explaining that. Uh, and and one of the largest pre-K programs in the in the state, right? Many in, in the city, many children go to SLPS uh, SLPS pre-K. Um, so so yeah, so so that's helpful to understand. So you let's talk about you getting to the school board, how you became a member. Can you take us through that journey? So you filed to run. You are running. You, you know, note to receive the endorsement of Action St. Louis Power Project. 
Um, I last. <laughs> no, I, you know, I won't talk about my <laughs> last time we do that. Um, but you know, because <laughs> then you get it. Like, it's the right candidate. You know, you know, the the that's the last time. Board of Education work. You'll be like, that's the last time that the right candidate comes around. People who are our friends, people who are our friends in November are not our friends in April. We'd be like, what happened? You know what happened? But um, anyway, so tell us about that. So you filed a run. You're running. What happens in in the arc of that race? And when is that race? Yeah, so I filed a run on the last day possible. January 19th was last day, and I filed a run on the last day possible. I think the polls closed. Like, I think you got to, like, five or something to sign up. I think I was there at about 425. <laughs> so I took a lot of time deliberating and figuring it out. Um, just because, you know, I'm sure, like, as listeners know, we usually don't know what board educations do. We're not educated on them. And I knew that if I was going to run for an office, I had a lot of people that wanted me to run for all the person. Honestly, there was a whole group that... Mm was like, hey, I want you to go do this. We'll, you know, we'll figure out all the details for you. But I felt much more connected to the board of education because, I mean, I just told you all my story. Right. I have been a student, a student right. activist for so long. Like that felt, that just felt so much more, that felt so much more true to, to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I know how transformative education could be. Honest to God, mm-hmm. if education had not happened to me the way I experienced it in high school, the way I experienced it in college, if that not happened to me, I would not be on this show right now. And I would have not have had the life and be the kind of leader and visionary that I am today. So I felt very tied to that. And knowing that our district had just closed eight schools and knowing that people don't pay attention, I was like, you know what, I want to change that. And so I wanted to run, but then people were like, well, you're 25 and you don't have any kids and you're not an uh, educational expert and you got to do citywide and you got two or three months because you ain't done nothing for a campaign to get thousands of people in their name. And I thought the win number was 10,000. So it ended up being much higher. If they're like, you got to get 10,000 people to know your name. You might be an activist, but maybe a thousand right, people. Because you're also running mm-hmm. to, to put context in this. This is 2021. So you're also running when there's a mayoral election, which does shift the number of people who will engage around, um, you know, we just we just finished an election last year over almost 30,000 people voted in April this year, about 10,000 people voted. And so right. what's on the ballot does shape who turns out so that that number can change. OK, so it's election day. You go through the campaign, you get some really great endorsements. You're knocking doors. You're talking to people. What are the results of the election? So some of my favorite endorsements is the action. Action St. Louis Power Project. Action St. Louis Power <laughs> Project, right? The C4, right? Because the C3 don't do that. Uh-huh. Thank you. Save the Power Project. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and then also D. Tashara Jones, periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and the St. Louis American. And plenty of awards. Like, end up being a very successful campaign. So election day happens. Uh, there's also some stuff happens along the way, but I don't know if y'all want to talk about that. But there's some stuff that happens along the way that's a little, uh, I will call it. Uh, you have some opposition. You have yeah, some, there's some opposition. Some yeah, slander. opposition. But let's slander. let's talk about the let's talk about the election because this is And then you you send that you know you've been campaigning all day. You get up at four o'clock in the morning to make your rounds around everywhere. And then seven o'clock by nine o'clock, I'm looking at my phone and uh, there was 10 of us running um, and there was three open seats and one incumbent running. I come in fourth with like 14,889 votes. Okay. Remember the number. Wow. 14,000 people <laughs> voted for you. In three, almost 15,000 for real. Almost 15. Yeah. Count every vote. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, so there are three seats. There's three seats. So you come in for so you die right, of, so of getting a third seat. Right. It was very close. 
So then something something else happens on the same ballot. And I'll, I'll narrate this part so we can get to the, 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 the meat of the work now. But okay. so also on that same ballot, Tashara Jones wins mayor. Yeah. Um, which means Tashara, this is this is like, a, listeners, come with me here in this visionary arrows that I'm drawing that you can't see. But Tashara <laughs> is the treasurer of the city of St. Louis and is elected to the mayor seat, which mm. vacates the treasurer seat. Mm. The Tashara appoints Adam Lane to the seat mm. of treasurer. Adam Lane is currently, at that time, a member of the Board of Education that was not up for election. The seat was not up for election. Adam accepts that position, becomes the treasurer of the city of St. Louis. And then that creates an opening on the Board of Education. Tashara appoints per the charter and, and, and many other things, you know, per some papers that's official. Right. Tashara gets to appoint <laughs> people to vacant positions mm-hmm. in on the Board of Education for the St. Louis Public Schools. So Tashara selects Alicia to take the vacant position that's vacated by Adam who becomes the treasurer. So there's this very cool, like one day you're waking You know what I call that, Kayla? You know what I call that? Happening. I call that meant to be. Oh yeah, so it's some, <laughs> it's some shifts happening. I call that so meant to be. We talk about elections as tectonic shifts, right? So a little bit, everybody wakes up with a new job. <laughs> yes. new job. <laughs> you, know, you got a job, you got a job. And you become... Um, a board of education member, which which we also want to say is a volunteer uh, position. Board mm-hmm. members of the board mm-hmm. of education are not paid to be in this position, yeah. Um, yeah. and so you are there. And now we have a fully seated um, board of education. So that just yeah. to bring you into the conversation, listeners. That's what happened in twenty twenty one. That's how Alicia got on the board of education, Blake. And I, I would love to talk about the the challenges that you encountered when you got into the seat that you now. Hold. And I, I, I'm thinking about those challenges at two different levels. One, sort of thinking about the, um, the role that Kayla described earlier of, of um, being the, the primary social institution that families and children are interfacing with every day. What, what do the challenges look like for the students of SLPS, as distinct from some other districts, as distinct from some um, other not public institutions? What does that look like at the at the school and family level? And then second, I'm just going to tee up after that. I want to ask a little bit about the district level challenges for SLPS. What the challenges look like? You mm-hmm. talked about closures. We want to talk about funding. So at those two levels, first, let's talk about the, the kind of demographics the and um, students that are that are in the schools. Yeah. So the scholars, as I call them, um, uh, I think are unfortunately facing unprecedented uh, challenges. Uh, obviously, we all know we're, it's a pandemic. So you have your mm-hmm. usual challenges of being in a, in a city of St. Louis, where like 20% of our kids are unhoused. Wow. Um, so that means one in five of them are unhoused. Like I mentioned earlier, we do have kids that in one school year can go to nine different schools. And there's only mm-hmm. about nine months in the school year. Um, and that does happen. Um, in addition to crime and violence, you know, we will hear about kids, uh, that have been killed or that have lost families or even like some of the issues you guys talked about earlier that I know your organizations work on, you know, who have uh, parents that are incarcerated, uh, who are navigating maybe being a foster child 
who are, I mean, just if you think of it, it would be easier to find a problem that they don't face mm. than a problem that they they do face. Because from housing to education to food stability to, I mean, I there, like I said, there's really, I can't think of anything that would not be, it's not an issue that we guarantee you at least yeah. 15% of our, of our scholars deal with. Yeah. And let me ask yeah. this question because we haven't said it, but I know the statistics. So the city of St. Louis, um, is is forty nine percent black per the twenty twenty census? What is what's the makeup of SLPS along racial lines? We are eighty percent black district. Wow, wow! And so, in the midst of that, you know, in the face of those overwhelming challenges that families and students are facing, SLPS is trying to provide decent quality education to students and overcome all of the the hurdles and challenges that you just laid out. And so what are the challenges for SLPS in attempting to do that? What are the the structural challenges look like at the district level? Ooh, child. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's monolithic because it's it's like we're saying, I mean, there's so many things, there's so many issues and so many challenges to face. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm a person that looks at systems. So I think that the biggest benefit I have of being in a seat and business position is you have ability to change systems. But once you start trying to do that, you get to see all of the gaps that that happen. Like something that I don't even know if we talked about publicly, we're about to be able to do is um, get some um, financial resources to family that are families that are facing like evictions or, or housing issues. It's something brand new. That's that wonderful. Right. And that's one issue. And people don't talk about education. You know, people tend to think of test scores, standardized mm-hmm. testing, teachers like you think of all these other things but in reality you know i've come to the conclusion that if you want a child to perform you've got to nurture their soul and their spirit first like when i read i called it holistic education and it's Mm -hmm. so true in our city you've Mm -hmm. got they got to start off at the line at the at the to run the race they've got to start at the line but a lot of times they're not even at the line so look at them and be like oh perform like this do this academically but i'm hungry (laughs) but i'm poor time this also makes me think about the other statistic that i i know you know is um, people sort of measure um, the socioeconomic status of students by sort of free and reduced lunch qualifications, which mm-hmm. which is on par with the um, um, the different uh, classes. So the poverty level. The poverty How many? Level, yeah. So the school district is eighty percent black. It's eighteen thousand children in the school district. Eighty percent of them are black. How many of them are eligible for free and reduced lunch? Um, well, at least seventy percent or more. <laughs> Uh, wow. And I might be lowballing you. Uh, I think you're lowballing. SLPS yeah, is like 90, 90% free and reduced lunch. The majority of the students, the majority of Overwhelming the students. Overwhelming majority. Yeah. And, yeah. and this, and I went to Riverview, which was also one of the highest free and reduced lunch eligible uh, school districts. And so what we're talking about is like a school district in a city where a quarter of the population is poor, mm-hmm. right? Which means that they don't have options to pay private tuition, right? They don't have options to send their children there. So they're sending their children to SLPS. They're, they're registered as free and reduced lunch. So they're under the poverty line. And so the district, you said the budget is $400 million. Well, you are not just thinking about the, the, the classroom. You have to think about a child's entire day, where they go home to, what they're eating, where they are before school, where they are after school, and so, so that those resources, when you are thinking about educating um, working class and working poor, the, the children of working class families, the children of working poor families, 
those dollars are stretched across so many things. And I just told you we're the third largest employer. So think about our staff that we have to pay that deserve mm-hmm. good, decent, livable wages and good mm-hmm. benefits, but that costs. And we're the third largest, so we got to shell it out on that end. And then also for comparison, I know somebody who's a board member in New York. They have a district. In their district, there's 3,000 kids, and they have like an $80 million budget. For like, like, so just for comparison, like, I know it sounds like 400 million is a lot, but yeah, can you say those numbers again? Cause they, they went fast. I want to hear them again. And I want I'm the sorry. listeners to so No, it's all good. I have a friend who's a, she's a, on a board in New York. And I think she told mm-hmm. me she has like 3000 kids or something like that in her district, mm-hmm. but she has like an $80 million budget. Like it, 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 it costs. I mean, when right. you do. And again, SLPS is 18,000 and what budget? 400 million. Mm-hmm. 400 million and that's wow. across the city of st louis for all mm-hmm. our buildings for all our transportation for all our mm-hmm. staff also what makes us special that i think we don't toot our horn enough we also have a very elaborative um intricate immersive um english as a second language support which again we're not required we mm-hmm. do a lot of stuff that we're not required to do but we know are necessary to have a competent quality education where we're very robust with our with our kids and our students in english as second language so when we take refugees in from other places we got to think about that in our budget we got to make sure that those families that are going to come into our district that they're able to get accustomed to an entire new country an entire new educational system and, right. and the money there so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so I, you're I, speaking to. Oh, I just want. I wanted to correct myself, Alicia. You were right. I was wrong. It is. It is seventy four point eight percent of SLPS students are free and reduced lunch. Very I was thinking high, about Riverview, which is still three out of four. You said one out of five children are homeless. Three out of four children in SLPS yeah. are free and reduced lunch. So we're talking about. Yeah. When we're talking about who is in these schools, right, and who is there? That's and that's the part that I really have admired about your your journey to this position is that we're not just talking about raising um, scores or raising thresholds. We're talking about improving the quality of life where school is sometimes the most stable thing for a child when they are dealing with housing instability, food insecurity, environmental injustices, the carceral system, the over-policing that happens in their neighborhood Mm -hmm. that targets Mm -hmm. young children early, that one in three black girls are sexually assaulted. We're talking about staggering statistics these children come to school every day and when that bell rings they become you become responsible for them um and and you have to think about being that that wraparound support so that 400 million dollars every red penny counts right and to that point you know to this this funding question this is a perennial challenge right with with slps and we've seen you know stories we've seen public fights around the school funding question and we see what that looks like at the local level and on the state level so if somebody asked you like what what's the problem when it comes to funding for slps what's the problem when it comes to your budget and the the amount and sources of funds how would you describe the challenges that the district faces with respect to adequate funding Two statistics to help them understand real clearly. Mm-hmm. The state of Missouri ranks, uh, I think, 49th in teacher pay and maybe dead last 50th as far as overall funding of education. And I really wow. think with those statistics, you can really see real clear. I don't even really need to explain much else that we are underfunded. Like to be mm-hmm. a quote unquote pro-life state, we actually don't fund life. We actually don't fund the one system mm-hmm. that all of the life is required and mandated to go through. Um 
Yeah, that's that's how I like to explain it. So if you ask wow. me what's the problem, the problem is that you got just gonna keep it 100. You have state legislators that do not, you know, people will spend money on guns and protect gun rights before they will invest into children. Yeah. And this mm. year, this year, a couple things have happened that I think are worth noting. Uh, Governor Parson, who is a, who is a Republican, actually just introduced legislation to increase the threshold for teacher salary, which I think right now is somewhere, it sits at 25000 and he was trying to raise it to, to wow. 38000 to be a teacher that you have to wow. be. I'll tell you in a district, again, by choice, don't none of our teachers is making twenty five grand again right. by choice. But, that is, but the state says yeah. this, this is what you could pay yeah. teachers, people who have went to school to get an education to become experts in how to teach children. And so what that triggers point. is that teachers... Your turnover rate in SLPS is incredibly high because comparative to, and, and SLPS depends a lot on state funding, but comparative to a district like Lindbergh, right, who has this secondary resource of, you know, the property values are higher there, so they, they bring in more resources, et cetera, teachers can, can cross the street or a highway and double their salary, right? That's and so the average teacher pay in yeah. SLP, I think is about 40 grand. But if you go right, the hop skip over to Clayton is 80 grand. Ooh. So just to show you a goodness. Picture. And then when we think listen, this is a layered podcast. I told y'all Thomas not linear is layered. When we think about things like the Forsake of All report and the the life expectancy of people who are in the zip code that's SLPS and the zip code that's Clayton, we're talking about a lifetime difference, 20 years sometimes. And so, you know, we're, we're approaching the end of our podcast. And obviously, education can have a part one, part two, and part three. But I mean, we could talk for a very, very long time. Very but long there is time. one one important thing that I want to get in, um, because I know it's a major development in the in the last year, is that the district is undergoing the citywide planning mm-hmm. process. Yeah. So can you just give us, and, and you're the, the vice chair, is that the right title? Yeah, vice chair. Vice chair of the committee that's doing the citywide planning process. So can you what's give us your like elevator pitch? What's the, what is the citywide planning process? What's the goal? Um, yeah, just tell us about it. And what's the current status? Okay, so I'm breaking rules a little bit. I think that that and a legislative committee are both very important and they're brand new and I'm vice chair of both. Um, and it's brand wow. new to show you what your newly elected board, like these committees did not exist before. So we are trying. And again, we are volunteering. These are large initiatives and we've had success. But as far as the citywide educational plan, and I think that we can see that educa- education is in a crisis in our city. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just it's just a fact. You have a declining youth population, but you're having increasing schools. You're having a stronger and stronger need for resources and less and less of an ability to meet that need. You're having issues with your transportation um, as far as buses and transit. You're having uh, teacher retention and teacher pay have always been issues, but obviously you just have a pandemic that exacerbates that. Um, And so the citywide plan is kind of like a call of like, listen, we know all these problems and we need to come together collectively as a city to solve and address these problems. And also, I think it's an acknowledgement that we know that SLPS, which, you know, we've centered, but that when you're talking about a citywide issue, it's even larger than SLPS, that it probably it's going to take all of the educational institutions and different representation to come to a table and have grown folks and adults put their feelings and egos to the side and let's talk about our scholars and our children and our youth collectively and see what we can do as leaders to, to help our kids uh, regardless of of, of where they are. Yeah. This is incredible because this speaks to the need that governance should be participatory, right? That the, Mm -hmm. 
the the education is one of the driving forces of where people buy houses, how long people stay in certain demographics, um, the quality and and um, um, I I'm, I'm, I can't find the word, but how much houses are worth. Property property values. Um, all of that matters. And so how, thank you for giving us an overview of that because we know decisions like this cannot be made in silo. Government has to come to the table. Institutions have to come to the table. Um, private interests, public interests have to come to the table and be prepared to do what's necessary um, for our for our future, right? Because that's that's exactly who's in these in walking the halls of these schools mm-hmm. are, are our future. So, how can people get involved yeah. in that? So, we are um, working right now. We are we've identified five breakout groups, and there will be an opportunity very soon for folks in the community who are interested in joining these breakout groups. We want you to. So, if you are a parent, if you're a staff, and let me tell you something. Obviously, I don't believe that you have to. Education is all of our problems. So, whether or not you are currently a parent or you are currently a student, like Kayla just said, if you don't have a thriving educational system, you don't have a thriving city, and that's just what it means. And that's period. Um, period. Mm-hmm. So, you should. Uh, um, SLPS, the citywide page has a, we have a, a, a web page where we put all of our updates. You can go see all of the meetings specifically for citywide. You can see all of the stakeholders, any information you want from there. You can see like the layout of our committee and we always put updates and everything there. Of course, you're welcome to follow me on social media. I also do post updates. I do talk about, you know, again, education is not a silo and I make that clear through my social media because I connected to other teams. <laughs> give them the <laughs> handles. Come on, give them the handles. Uh, it's at Leisha l-i-s-h-a liberty um on twitter and instagram and then just alicia sanye on facebook but you really should do the twitter and instagram twitters (laughs) (laughs) facebook is personal um yeah yeah, so thank thank you for plugging us into that and thank you for being thank you for joining us today we covered yeah this was great We, we covered a lot of ground we packed a lot into a fairly short period of time and there was so so much more that we could do. So we might have you back and have yep. to dig in even more. Um, you especially know, once so the citywide process, especially when the citywide plan launches. Yes. I think it's really important, especially right now when we have this ARPA money, this infrastructure money coming down the pipeline. We have so many resources that can help us shape something for, for our children. And they are our yeah. children, right? If you live in a neighborhood where children walk down the street, it's Those all of our responsibility to, to keep yes. them safe, to make sure they have the resources that they need to, to fight for them truly. And, and we are living in um, the intersection of so many pandemics. We've lost so many children over the last month. Um, we, you know, and we know that there, that this is going, um, that this can get better if we all, if we all step into this work. So thank you, Alicia. Yeah. For joining thank you us. so much for being be here. It was such an honor to be had. I'm so glad I'm putting this on my resume now. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite shows I've been listening for a long time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Listen, we just be out here trying to teach the people you know, and learn listen. ourselves. That's right. Ourselves. This is like we like learning through guests like you on this podcast. Yeah. So we really appreciate it. We be on Twitter you. and be like, wait, what happened? <laughs> what's going on um so thank you for that we're gonna definitely have you back we're gonna take a quick yes. break and come back um and wrap up this episode um we'll be right back you're listening to under the arch welcome back Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, that was Listen, so good. we just 
That was great. She's so great. You can hear it. She has so much energy. So and much just, passion. You know, passion and brilliance. And so that was Listen, fun. That was a lot of fun to connect with her. Yes, it was. And I know that we're going to get a, a dozen comments that are like, y'all need to have a part two. Because there's so much stuff and that three. we did not get to get to. Yes, I know. <laughs> there's so much stuff that we did not get to get to. But what I hope <sighs> this seeded, you know, is like as organizations that primarily think about housing and and um, the criminal legal system and mm-hmm. democracy, that this this lives at the intersection of that. Who's impacted by all those, who fills the brunt yes. of those systems the most are these yes. children um, who are who are in our schools. And St. Louis has mm-hmm. such a, like, the history of SLPS is so rich. We didn't even get to get into that. Um, yeah. But we wanted to give you a little bit more information about the citywide planning process. Yeah, well, first of all, the site is really, you know, I was just poking around it earlier today, which I think is just slps.org backslash citywide. Mm, Google it. I think that's what it was, but um, we'll it, it is in really like, yeah, when you, when you get on the site, you can like learn about the working groups. You can see the, the meetings as Alicia was saying, and, and two things that I think could be part of the, the part two or three to come. One is that if you look at the working groups, so the, the working groups that exist are one wellness, health and safety um, two school experience three, workforce considerations, four, logistics, and then five, community. Um, And just under that first working group, wellness, health, and safety, um, the topics addressed include racial bias within the system, including racial segregation within SLPS, which I think is Mm -hmm. fascinating, creating inclusive schools, trauma-informed schools, discipline, addressing community violence, school-to-prison pipeline, health concerns. So we could have a whole episode on yeah, just that. Yeah, each of those could be a working unpacking. group, too. <laughs> Listen, each of those could be an episode. I mean, there's yeah. so much there. And then the other thing that I was thinking while she was talking is, um, eventually, we need to have a classroom school teacher on here to talk about yes, what that do. looks like granularly at the, yes, at the classroom do. level and working with kids that are enduring yeah. the kinds of traumas that Alicia laid out Listen, and so also trying to you know get quality education. If you're a listener and you work as a teacher in SLPS or you know Come someone, send them, send them our way. We're always looking for guests. We want to, we want to be yes. a part of this conversation. I, I don't have, um, I don't have children. As y'all know, I have a dog, baby, DeSoto. Um, <laughs> but, but I have my nieces and nephews, my own, my own education. You just, you do know how valuable, um, an education is and how important it is that the 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 next decade of SLPS yields um safety and wellness and health and strength and community for for our children because and all the schools you know we're talking about the city right now but as you say we 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 graduate from county schools so we know Riverview and county districts too (laughs) and yeah and it's it's think like when we talk about accreditation Normandy is going through the same process Riverview Gardens mm-hmm. lost its accreditation when I was mm-hmm. in school. I remember that. I remember I was a, a senior when it when we lost accreditation wow. because I was like, would this impact my diploma? Am I not going to be able to go to college? Mm-hmm. Like what's going to mm-hmm. happen? And so all of these decisions are impacting. If it's 18,000 students in SLPS, just the range of the quality of education uh, and the political, the political systems that impact it. You may not think about that when you're sending your kid to school on Monday, but there is a whole ecosystem of decision makers who prevent um, resources from coming to our schools. And so there are many opportunities to get involved. 
But for now, we have so to. So that was up. great. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so more to come. More to come. Let's run the credits. Um, of course, credits. as always, we have to thank our team, um, our amazing production team, Z Gorley, I almost said Simone Corda, Z Corley, Simone Palmer, Nathan Corda. Um, thank you for, for always, always producing these episodes and making it happen. And listen, um, if you are listening or someone sent you this episode, you have questions, comments. We are on all platforms where you listen to podcasts. Rate us, leave us comments, recommendations, suggestions. I know I sound nasally today. My allergies are tearing me up. Um, spring has you. sprung. Spring has sprung. Uh, follow us on social media. We are on the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Under the Arch Pod. Uh, and if you have recommendations on a music minute, on an episode, or a guest, mm-hmm. or you just want to give us a longer form comment, response, we love that. Yeah. Comment on our social Please, please. Send us an email at underthearchpod at gmail.com and we will respond. We will respond because we yes. we enjoy this. This is our this is our passion project inside of the work that we do all yes. the time. <laughs> Yes. So we have a few more episodes this season. We're excited to bring to you. So we will be back with you so soon. Um, We hope you really enjoyed this episode um, and sets up more combos to come for sure. But in the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, You'll hear from us again soon. And as always, this has been Under the Arch. See you later.